Hello, everyone. We are so happy to have you back at our podcast. I'm the host of Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan. My name is Virginia Prodan, and I'm so glad you are here, and I'm glad for your contribution. And for those of you who are new to our podcast, Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan, that you can listen on uh, Edify, Podcast Network, Spotify, Podbean, um, Apple Podcasts, Player FM, and of course, you can watch it on YouTube. This podcast started, and I can't take credit for that, because of you listeners. After you read my memoir, Saving My Assassin, and you can buy the book, uh, the Virginia Pradhan books.com slash product slash book. So after many of you read the book, contacted me, and asked me to help you to be strong and courageous during this time, changing time in America. So I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for your questions and your comments and everything that you make a a wonderful contribution to our podcast. Our podcast also developed because we want to bring you courageous leaders in our community in America or around the world, that will encourage us on being strong and courageous. And one of these strong and courageous leaders is senior pastor Chin Ahn. He, with his wife, Sue, have been the senior pastor at Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena since 1994. Uh, Senior Pastor Ching is the president of Harvest International Ministry that reaches over 65 nations. Imagine that. You will be blessed by his message. I assure you of that. He also received um, um, MDiv and MN from Fuller Theological Seminary and has authored numerous books. One of them is uh, Turning Our Nation Back to God Through Historical Revival. But the most important thing is you have to know, and he will tell us more, is that in 2020, pastors soar into national championship proeminence because of his fight for religious freedom and for filing the lawsuit that reaches and gives privileges to millions of churches in America, talking about a courageous leader. In 2021, the United States Supreme Court granted pastors and his congregation and everyone in America, a historical settlement ensuring the constitutional right to worship, not only to his church, but to all Americans, God in in their church. Pastor Chin and his wife Sue are married for more than 43 years. They have four wonderful daughters, married adults, uh, children, and they have a growing number of uh, grandchildren. We are so happy, Senior Pastor, to be here, and I'm so grateful for everything you are doing. I want to ask you before we go to 
what you did for religious freedom in America. I want to ask you if you would like to share with our audience how you started, because it's always a beginning. Well, I came to know Jesus Christ at the age of 17, and my parents uh, really prayed me into the kingdom of God. My father was the first Korean Southern Baptist pastor in North America, and uh, we immigrated. I'm not born here. I immigrated when I was five years old and became a citizen when I became 18. And so, uh, but uh, I knew the moment I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was called into vocational ministry. Uh, by the way, I have one son and three daughters, and my son is also a pastor. And so my father's a pastor, I'm a pastor, my son's a pastor, so it's like a generation of pastors. And then God called me to California. I, we were in the nation's capital. My dad was a pastor right downtown Washington, D.C. on 16th Street. Uh, but we moved to California in 1984, and I went to Fuller Seminary, got my master's there, got my doctorate. And uh, But then we started our church in 1994, Harvest Rock Church. And uh, we uh, had no idea that we would end up suing Governor Newsom during the pandemic for the lockdown. I mean, we were just basically uh, just trying to figure out what was going on. But we did know that our freedom, First Amendment rights were being violated. And of course, we couldn't obey the scripture of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, where it says, do not forsake the assembling of the saints, which some are in the habit of doing, as you see the day drawing near. And the point being is, is that the church, uh, early church was being persecuted. And as a result of that, a lot of the believers weren't gathering publicly together. And I shouldn't say publicly because it was probably underground, but nevertheless, they were mandated to gather together. And of course, we were not allowed to gather because Governor Newsom said the church is not essential. I mean, think about it, Virginia. Uh, marijuana dispensaries were declared essential. Abortion clinics were declared essential. Even a strip club down in San Diego was declared essential, but not the church. And so we, of course, uh, wrote a letter to him and saying the church has been essential for 2,000 years, and we appealed to him to open up, but he denied us that appeal. And so we decided, based on counsel from my attorney, on uh, May 31st, 2020, to open up as a church, and um, and we continued to open up. And then uh, Governor Newsom uh, allowed the church to be open for three weeks, but only with real strict requirements. Only 10% of the congregation could attend. And then he said no singing or no chanting. And that was a real violation of our First Amendment because the, uh, the Constitution says the state should not interfere with a free exercise thereof. And when he's telling us not to sing, he's micromanaging uh, a major portion of our worship uh, is, is worshiping with song, with our voice. And so... Make a long story short, we sued Governor Newsom in July of uh, 2020, and um, and then um, as a result of that lawsuit, I got a letter from our city prosecutor in August the next month saying that they were going to arrest me for opening up, and they were going to fine our church members millions of dollars, as well as uh, they had the right to re arrest our church members, and that's when something went off in me because I felt like this is crazy. 
You know, he's allowing prisoners out because he wants social distancing in the prisons, and yet he wants to arrest us uh, who are law-abiding citizens. We simply want to worship Jesus, and yet uh, we're the bad guys. So I realize that we have come to Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, where it says, Woe to those who call evil good, good evil, darkness light, light darkness. And so what he was doing, letting prisoners and criminals out was good, but those who want to worship was evil. And uh, we realized that this was really, really from Satan. It's demonic. And so uh, thank God that we took a stand. The lawsuit went by God's grace all the way to the Supreme Court. We had an amazing attorney, Matt Staver, with Liberty Council. And we won in February of 2021, uh, 6-3, uh, allowing and set a precedent for all the churches to be able to meet in America, in perpetuity, and never can a governor or even a president lock down the church again. That it's um, so encouraging in, in several uh, several points that I want to point it out is one person stand you as as a pastor, and we all um, have a leadership position wherever God placed us. So uh, it's encouraging because your position as a leader in the church and and taking uh, the governor to court for illegal action that he was doing, um, now it's a benefit to people all over America. So I want to encourage our listeners and our viewers to reconsider their position as leaders at home, at work, because God gave us skills and talents and sphere of influence. And by taking a position, we can be a tool in God's hands that will uh, reestablish our freedom, not only for us, for many people around us. I want to ask you, uh, lots of people that I counsel or I train them will say to me, I would love to do it, but my voice is not that important, or I don't have the blueprint. How would you respond to them? I think uh, it's just a matter of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I think we have to do what's right before God, walk in obedience, and even our sphere may not be as large, but as we do what's right, uh, I believe that uh, the kingdom of God's going to advance. And you can't quantify it from a natural perspective because one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It says that in Second Corinthians 5.10. And he's going to reward us uh, for what we have done. And so we need to really realize that we're living for his glory. And if uh, we, we love God the way he says in John 14 and uh, all the way through John 16, the way we show love is by keeping his commandments, by obeying him. And so for me, uh, whether it went to the Supreme Court or not, I mean, we had no idea it would be picked up. You don't pick the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court picks you. But by God's grace, he picked our case. Uh, the Supreme Court picked our case. We just were being obedient uh, to God. And, and you know, there's been a number of verses that have guided me, like, for example, as a pastor, Galatians 1.10 says, if I'm trying to please men, then I'm not a true servant of Christ. So I'm not here. Ultimately, of course, I want people to like me and our city to like us. And, and, uh, and we got a lot of persecution when we sued and we opened up. 
Uh, they called me uh, a selfish pastor. They said, you're a hypocrite. You say you love people, but you're killing them. I mean, there were some real mean things said about me personally, but I'm here first and foremost to please God and serve him. The other verse that really helped me was 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And that word fear is a very interesting word because it only appears two times in the New Testament. It's not the typical word phobos, which we get the word phobia, which we get fear, but it's a different word as dilea, and really is translated being a coward. So he's not given us this cowardice, but he's given us the power, love, and a sound mind. The only other time that word appears is in Revelation 21, when he throws cowards along with the murderers and the adulterers into the lake of fire. So it just shows you how he uh, looks at cowardice. And so, but he gives us the grace to take a stand. And that's why I give him all the glory, because he gave me the grace to do what's right. Uh, my heart was willing, but then he gave me the grace to persevere through all the persecution, uh, the media uh, attacks, as well as even members of my church left the church, um, and including pastor, one pastor, a spiritual son, quit because I sued Governor Newsom's. And that was more hurtful than even the media attack. But nevertheless, uh, blessed are those who are persecuted to whatever degree for those who are doing what is right, for righteousness' sake. Um, and it says, rejoice, be exceedingly glad, because your reward will be great in heaven. And, uh, and at the end of the day, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That is so, so correct on that, because um, you will encounter when you stand up for Christ, you know, people that will be against you and even people in the church. I know that I experienced even my own family in Romania. They decided to disown me and refuse to uh, allow me to call them or, or to, to visit them. But you always have a family of God. I had a family of God. The book, <coughs> excuse me, the book Saving My Assassin shows so, so vividly that yes, you, you might lose in, in the persecution process against you. You might lose friends. You might lose even people in, in your church, but you will uh, learn about the family of God because he created us as a family of God that will surround you. And also one thing that always um, encourages me and I encourage people is this. I uh, I fought against a dictator in Romania who had everything, money, power, military power, everything at his fingertips. And he believed that he had my life in his hands. But that was not true. I, my life was in God's hands. He's dead for 30-something years. He was shot by his own guards. You know, he had a, um, a trial for an hour and he was shot, and I am alive, and I share God's power in one person for 30-something years. Because the Bible reminds us in Proverbs 21, 30, it says, there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. 
So if you know that God sent you to do a specific mission, he will provide for you. Like you said, you didn't know what the Supreme Court, he will open doors, he will open hearts and minds of people, and you will be uh, successful and uh, uh, you will encourage so many. Your actions, Pastor, encourage so many. I want to ask you, you read in the Old Testament, and you read that at one point or another, priests were arrogant. They did not want to obey God. They added to God's words, their requirements, and so forth. And God, over and over again, told them to get rid of pride, to come to, to him so he can heal them and he can heal the land. Why do you think it's important today in America for pastors to stand up like you did? Well, I share this in my book, uh, Turning Our Nation Back to God Through Historic Revival. And first of all, I define revival. Three characteristics of historic revival is that first, the church and pastors must first repent. That's the key to revival. Number two, as a result of that, the harvest of souls will come into the kingdom. And thirdly, society is transformed. So when we talk about pastors and the church, it's his people. He says in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And even in Joel uh, 2, verse uh, uh, 28 says, and afterwards I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. After what? Well, it says in Joel 2, verse 12, return to the Lord with all your heart, with weeping, fasting, and mourning. And the word return, Hebrew word shub, means to repent with all your heart. But then it goes and says, let the priest weep between the porch and the altar. The priest, the pastors must lead the way. And so I really feel that God holds uh, pastors, leaders of the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers responsible uh, and, uh, and of course, his people in walking in obedience. Now, what's different in the New Covenant versus the Old Testament where they repeatedly failed is that he has placed his law in our hearts. He's given us his spirit, and uh, we're now born again. And so he's given us the grace. But unfortunately, we still have our old body, our old mind. And unless we transform our mind and thinking and offer our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, we have a tendency to disobey instead of obeying the Holy Spirit within us, we have a tendency to conform to the world. And so it's really critical as believers to really, uh, really uh, allow the Holy Spirit to change us from glory to glory. The Bible says he's committed to conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ, and that's what we need to do. And I believe that as we do that, we will see transformation take place in America. So as well as around the world. And so it begins with God's people, specifically God's leaders. How important do you believe is for ordinary Christian people? Because, like I said, we are leaders. Uh, I I believe uh, stay home mom. It's a it's such a wrong way to say stay home. She's so busy. She doesn't stay a, a second. But that's the way we say stay home mom. She molds the life of of a next generation. How important is for mothers, 
for leaders at every single level to understand that reading God's word and hearing God's word daily, it's important not only Sunday at church. What would you say to them? What, what, in, in order to mold, to let God mold them, but also for them to mold the next generation. Well, it's very, very important. It's vital, and it really goes back to Genesis one twenty-eight. From the very beginning, God made them male and female, not two men, not two women, male and female, and He said, "Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth." And then He says, "Subdue." the enemy, and rule over the earth. That's in Genesis one twenty-eight. So from the very beginning, God made them male female to reflect the image and likeness of God. And the purpose is to be fruitful, multiply, have a family. So we see the family institution was established from the very beginning. And so the highest call is what he established first, which is the family. And I really believe the family is a priority as the family goes, so goes the local church, so goes our society, so goes our nation. Unfortunately, the family has failed even in the body of Christ. The divorce rate is as high in the church as it is in the world. And this is not to condemn anyone who's gone through a divorce, but this is a very complex issue. But nevertheless, God wants us to really understand um, uh, I think our identity from the very beginning, he made us into his image and his likeness. And the reason why I say that is because God expected us to rule and reign with him. He wants us to partner with him. This is amazing. So through Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. But not only that, he makes us now his sons and daughters. We are God's family. And on top of that, the Bible says we're all kings and priests. So if even if you're a, a stay-at-home mom, you are a king, you are a priest. I like the way it says in 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a royal priesthood. Now, the reason why that's so important, when you know your identity, you begin to fulfill your destiny. And so it's so important for people to know that we're made in God's image, we're God's children, and he expects us to rule and reign with them as kings and priests, and not only just with our family, but then he says, subdue evil. Whenever there's evil or injustice in society, let's say, for example, abortion, or uh, same-sex marriage, or transgenderism, anything that's violating God's word, uh, we need to speak out. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to take a stand for righteousness because the foundation of his throne, the Bible says in Psalm 89, uh, verse 14, is righteousness and justice and loving kindness and truth proceeds from his throne. So those four things, righteousness, justice, love and truth are so crucial as followers of Jesus, as believers, to see that manifest in our lives, in our family, and in society. Really, justice is about uh, laws and legislation um, in society, like we made slavery illegal. That's a justice issue. It was once the number one injustice issue of our society, uh, but now uh, I think abortion is because we're still killing. Uh, we've killed 63 million uh, babies since 1973. And thank God for Roe v. Wade being overturned. But I live in a state like California where the abortions are increasing, not decreasing. And so we have to see laws pass. And that's why 
Uh, this notion about being separated from church and state is just not, not only is it not scriptural, it's not even in the Constitution. It doesn't even make common sense because how bad do you want society to get before you'll vote uh, biblically? And so we, we are to be salt and light. We're to make a difference and we're held accountable. And so with this midterm coming up, I'm trying to get the church registered and vote, do something that's stewarding our citizenship. What a privilege. I had to become a citizen. I wasn't born a citizen. And what an honor it is for me to have a voice uh, in a country that has a system of really making a difference in our government mountain through our voice and our vote. Uh, Just encourage the moms. They're amazing because they are uh, kings and priests. They're, uh, They're child of the living God. Uh, Absolutely. And we have to take that into consideration. And you're so right. We have done uh, lots of things uh, in order to accommodate, as Christian, to accommodate the culture and everything. I uh, I know that many, many parents uh, or even divorced parents, uh, that's another issue, um, um, fail to uh, train their children uh, in God's words, or they had different attitude towards that and so forth, believing that the church role is. No, the, the church role is to emphasize your role as a parent. God gave you to uh, those kids, to mold those kids and train them in God's words, and the church will... Uh, will emphasize that. And the church has the kids for a few hours. You have them for the entire week, the entire life, or at, at least 18 years. And the same thing we we fell on, on education. We believe that the school should educate and, you know, provide for kids everything, but not being involved in their school education and see what the school is teaching. And look where we are right now. We believe that, oh, yes, it's everybody's choice, and why should I talk about abortion um, uh, to make my Myself a target and so forth. No, no, no. We have to go back and uh, have a voice, uh, like you said, vote or uh, run for offices and so forth. So we have a voice. Well, in fact, in Revelation 3 2, God said, Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. So it's a wake-up call for us, and the first thing for us is to recognize what we felt, what we are doing, go and repent, ask the Lord to give wisdom, and He will be able to equip us and give everything that we need. And um, Amen. That's and you're absolutely Lord. right. It does begin with the church again. It says, if my people will humble themselves and pray to her from their wicked way. It doesn't say Congress or the White House. It's God's people, and they have to repent. Uh, and repentance is not just only turning away from sin, but the Greek word repent, metanoia, means to really change the way you think, is to do a paradigm shift. And so we have to stop thinking um, in, in a wrong way, and we have to think biblically. And that's why I encourage people to vote biblically with biblical values, not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
And so it begins with uh, with true repentance. You're absolutely right. We need to wake up, repent, Virginia, and then we need to do what's right because that's the key to walking with the Lord. It's uh, Matthew six thirty three: seek first his kingdom and do what's right or, and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto us. God will bless us. God will bless the church. And by the way, our church doubled in the midst of the lockdown because people started <laughs> because number one, we were open, but also uh, people want to be part of a church that believed in biblical values and uh, and they found us. And so we're grateful for it. even though people did leave, we doubled in size at the end of the day. That is so wonderful. Uh, would you please share with our audience and viewers and uh, listeners where they can find you and everything that you would like for them to know, please? Yeah, our church is harvestrock.church. And so instead of harvestrockchurch.org, it's harvestrock.church. And uh, if you just go to Harvest Rock and Google, you'll find our church. We're in Pasadena, California. And um, and so also, if you're interested in our network of churches, because, and I, I need to make this statement, I think it's really important for people to know full disclosure. Uh, we did sue Governor Newsom, but it wasn't only me. I lead a network of churches, and we have around 150 churches in California alone. Now, we're in almost 70 nations, but we have a lot of churches in California. So together as an organization, we sued uh, Governor Newsom. And the reason why I say that, because I do believe uh, that God uses networks to bring about transformation. And so I think it's important for us to unite together to do things for God instead of just doing it solo. And I think we got the Supreme Court's attention because there were 150 of us, not just myself, not just Harvest Rock Church, but a, a group of churches that we're saying this lockdown is not constitutional because it's violating our First Amendment rights. So I think it's important for people to come together. God wants unity. I share that again in my book. If we want a revival, there has to be extraordinary prayer. There has to be visible unity, and there has to be obedience to God, radical obedience. And so, um, so I wanted to make that full disclosure. And if they want to just check out my website, they could go to cheon.org. One one uh, word, Cheon, C-H-E-A-H-N dot org. And uh, I thank God my mom gave me a short name. And so Chase, my first name, Ons, my last name, dot org. And you could find me there as well. Thank you so very much. And thank you for coming to our podcast and for all these resources that you provide and reminding us that in unity as a family of Christ, we uh, can do a lot to show love and uh, share truth in love to others and let God transform America because we can be a tool in God's hands and God can heal us and God can heal the land. Thank you so very much again for coming to our podcast. Well, Virginia, thank you for having me. And one thing that I want to just comment, because you're an amazing woman of God, but you came from a communist country. What people may not know is that my father was also in prison as a pastor in North Korea in 1950. And so I grew up, he, the American soldiers invaded and helped us in the Korean War. My dad was able to escape with uh, millions of other people in a six-month window of opportunity. 
But I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for democracy, for the U.S. soldiers that intervene. And, and that's why I love America and America is the greatest nation because of uh, the values, the biblical values that we espouse. And so it's interesting that you and I both love freedom because we know what communism and socialism and totalitarianism is all about. And so thank you for the great job you're doing, uh, voicing uh, the, uh, the word about uh, courage and freedom uh, throughout the world. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I have to say it's an uh, honor and a blessing that God is using me. And I can see that as I share my own story, lives are changed and people change their vote because they can, nobody can argue with the my life lived under socialists and communists and my life lived in America because I'm a lawyer. I went to law school again here in Dallas. Texas. I am a lawyer. I work with Alliance Defendant Freedom. I have my own law firm. So I am doing the same thing because I love freedom and I love America. In fact, when I signed my book, I signed my book with Freedom is Precious. Because indeed, <laughs> that is the essence. Freedom is precious. Thank you so much again. And thank you to each one of you for coming and listening to our podcast, Courageous Leadership with Virginia Pradhan, which is every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock Central Time. You can listen to Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Edifin Network, uh, Prayer, uh, Player FM, and of course, you can watch it on YouTube. We love each one of you and your contribution, your questions, and your comments, and we ask that you will continue to uh, send us them and uh, we love to train you, we love to encourage you, and we love to be in unity, like Senior Pastor Chen said, in unity to be a force for Christ and witness for Christ so others can see the power of Christ in us. May God bless you and see you later.